Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday, January 4th. 2021 edition of Benzinga's pre-market prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Uh, New Year, uh, I I guess same market because everything is pretty much up with the exception of Bitcoin, which had a bit of a crash here overnight. We'll talk about that. I got a lot of headlines. We got deliveries over the weekend from Tesla and Neo and a bunch of other electric vehicle makers. And it's no surprise they're all good. We're going to talk Alibaba this morning. We've got a couple M&A deals to discuss. And um, our guest is Tim Quast, and he is the founder and CEO of Market Structure Edge. Also, today's show is sponsored by Market Structure Edge. Yes, that's right. New year, new show, new platform. We got sponsors. We're on StreamYard. It's, it's like an entirely new pre-market prep experience here this year. Today's show I mentioned sponsored by Market Structure Edge. Market Structure Edge Edge is the first decision support platform for traders built on Market Structure. Try the new way to trade for free at marketstructureedge.com. Hit that like button as well. Joel, I will open the floor to you. How are we doing this morning? Oh, doing well. Good morning, Spencer. Welcome, everyone, to 2021, ending just like 2020, or beginning 2021, just like 2020 entered. Uh, S&P futures, little dip early in the session, caught a bid, new all-time high. I'm just going to give you the current current pre-market high, 73 and a quarter, trading at 66.75. Crude hanging out that 48 handle still uh, down 22 cents at uh, 48.30. You have oh we've been as high as 49.83, folks. Though so we did almost kiss that 50 dollar level. Uh, gold up almost 40 bucks at 19.35. We have silver up almost a buck at 27.40, and a new handle for Bitcoin. Uh, you're saying it's down, but the way the futures are marked, uh, it's up 19. $1,970 and $31,300. The high, $34,170. So another great day for Bitcoin. Uh, let's bring in Triple D and 
Deja vu all over again, Dennis. Here we are, trading higher in the pre-market session. Inflation, inflation, inflation. The story of 2021 here on the first day. We're giving it to you on pre-market prep the first day of the new year. Um, that's what the story is going to be. I mean, you're seeing the inflation of assets across the board. Cash is killer because it's losing value. I know they'll tell you it's only 2%, but we know it's significantly higher. And you're seeing money flying not only into Bitcoin, which it's flying out a little bit last night because it was just a ridiculous four-day run for Bitcoin since we've been off. But, you know, you're seeing gold trade significantly higher, silver. They came in with their buying shoes on and they're buying assets across the board. So how do you differentiate, you know, when like the inflation is good, right? Because uh, it's inflating stock prices around, you know, along with everything else. When does inflation turn bad? When well, they, not- they, well, inflation, you know, they can give this argument that inflation is good and the Fed will try to pull the wool over our eyes to try to talk us into, you know, what we like inflation. We need a little bit of inflation. Oh, deflation is a concern. It's all nonsense. Inflation isn't good. Your purchasing power continues to drop. You know, and we know even the way like I've read, you know, in the last few weeks, I've been reading, you know, somewhat how they you know, calculate, you know, inflation, at least in the U.S. And it's a big secret. It's not even fully transparent the way they calculate these indexes. But, you know, and I don't know how much is true, how much is not true. But apparently they give the same weighting to a television as they do to a house. So if the TV prices fall 70 percent, but the housing prices go up 70 percent. I guess that's, you know, even. So, I mean, this is why, you know, everything is just ridiculous. So when you look at these indexes, you know, you can look. Obviously, the biggest expense to a person is their home and their shelter. And we know housing prices have just exploded. We know lumber prices have exploded. You know, and they're trying to tell us, oh, there's no inflation, so we have no concerns. Yeah, the cost of living and the necessities have gone up tremendously. But your televisions are cheaper, so we don't have any inflation. It's an absolute joke. So I'm already wound up here. You've wound me up now at 8.06 on the first day of the new year, the first show. But I mean, it's this is what we're dealing with. And there's the, the smart money realizes that, hey, we are in an inflationary environment. And if you're sitting here on a pile of cash, you're the loser. That's what this money is showing us. That's why Bitcoin, you know, you can say it's the story. And yes, it's the story. But everything is going. I mean, don't kid yourself. You know, we've looked at our long-term portfolios and it doesn't matter what the hell you're in. It seems like it's going up at least in the last, you know, six months. So I think I it's more of the same. I don't see this huge impending crash coming that everybody keeps trying to predict because we're in this inflationary environment where asset prices are just going up. I mean, the collectibles market, do you see sports card, Spencer? Like, do you see what that's doing? They're taking off too. People are just looking. Art is going up higher. People are looking for hard assets to invest in because they know their cash is cash is trash. Did I did I ever did I ever tell you my sports card story? You got a story for everything. No, you didn't. Ah uh, man, I was a young kid. My buddy Paul Dunbar. I was over at his house and he was going through his brother's collection, and he had a Mickey Mantle rookie card, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, he goes, you want it? I'm like, sure. So he gave it to me. 20 years later, I ran into the guy and I said, you know, he goes, or my sister was friends with his wife or something. And I, I mentioned that I had the Mickey, his Mickey Mantle uh, rookie card. And he goes, can I have it back? And I said, sure. And you so he, back? 
I gave it back to him. Wow. Oh, and I saw there was nice like a, there was like a Willie Mays in there. There was you gave uh, the Willie Mays back too. Yeah, Al Kaline. I don't know if people wow. remember him, but you yeah, just gave away your retirement. I know, I know. What's a Mickey Mantle rookie card worth? I now? have no idea. Somebody will know in the chat. And there was a Hank Aaron card in there too. I think when he was still with uh, when they were still in Milwaukee. I mean, it was a fortune. It was unbelievable. But that out of the good, I thought I'd tell a good story to start the year. But uh, anyways, let's get to some individual stocks here. Yeah, I just want to mention if you want to, you know, show what Dennis was talking about on a chart, the U.S. dollar index, which is DXY or dollar sign. On think of it's dollar sign DXY. I don't know what it is on TradeStation. Yeah, throw um, it on there. It's at its lowest point since like early, early 2018 here. So, yeah, it's, it's, I I look again, at the, the there it is. Did I get it or do you got it, Spencer? Is it DXY? I don't know what that is. You know, I think yeah, one thing we got we're not good on DXY. That that's what it, that's what it is on Thinkorswim. That's like the U.S. dollar index. Maybe okay. on on email tells a story here. Too. Yeah, there you go. But remember, this is still against other a basket of currencies too, is it not, Spencer Israel? The UUP. I'm I'm honestly not sure. I, oh, I mean, oh, you, when we're looking yeah. and we're valuing the U.S. dollars, it's against other yes, baskets yes. of currency. That's correct. That's correct. So you're still you're you're valuing it. So it's the trashiest of the trash. It's telling you, really, <laughs> because it's going down relative to other currencies. But all the currencies are deflating. So it's even worse than it appears. So you can look at this index and say, oh, it looks ugly, but this is relative to other trash because all currencies, fiat currency right now, is trash. It's getting deflated. It's the money printing press coming to roost here. So I think, you know, you look at this and this is another reason why people are going into hard assets. You know, could we crash? We can always crash. Anything can happen. I'm going to say it again. Nobody knows anything. But money, institutional money, big money right now is realizing that if they are loaded up in cash, they are in the wrong place. All right. Uh, there's the yen. I'm sure I know. Now, they're, you know, the charts are, you know, a little bit better. We're just looking at uh, relative to the uh, to the U.S. dollar. Hey, but... They're all going to be up relative to the U.S. dollars because has anybody been printing? I guess Europe. You know, but, you know, who's printing more than the Fed? Nobody. We got uh, the printing press Powell. Nobody. What do we call him? What's his nickname? Pumpin' Powell. Pumpin' Powell. It's right here in the charts. We got Pumpin' <laughs> Powell in the charts, guy. I mean, the Canadian dollar, too, has been very strong. That's because the U.S. dollar has just been super weak. I mean, it's all relative. So, anyways, it's not a currency show. It's not a Pumpin' Powell show. It's a stock show. And let's talk stocks because there's lots of interesting stories here today. Do we start with the Bobster? You you seem to want to, so sure. Might as well. <laughs> Might as well. The most forgiving market in the history of the stock market is this market. I mean, where is Jack Ma? That is the question. It's not where is Waldo. It's where is Jack Ma? Obviously, article, Yahoo. We've had Financial Times. He didn't show up on his game show. Nobody's seen him for two months. Now they're saying, okay, put out you know the, the missing person's uh, ad there because we don't know where Jack Ma is. Is he arrested? Is he worse? Is he better? Is he just in hiding? Is he just doesn't like the press anymore? He just doesn't want the press. I don't know, but we don't know where Jack Ma is, and that's why Alibaba's down six bucks. I, I should note that Jack Ma is remember is not the CEO of Alibaba. He stepped down in, uh, in 2019. He's still the founder. He's still a really important guy. Um, and the only reason this is notable is because it's China, and you never really know no. with with the Chinese. So this could be a nothing burger. He could just be. 
laying low on an island on a vacation yeah. trying to stay away from COVID. Yeah, you, enjoying you his life. Or he he's could a billionaire. be billionaire. Or he could be somewhere else. <laughs> uh, it could, or he could be six feet under. We really don't know. But Baba is down six bucks this morning because we don't know where Jack Ma is, and there is now getting concerns. And obviously, he's not the CEO anymore, but he is the founder. He is the name behind Alibaba, and it is concerning if they've done something. If if he's been arrested, you know, what are they going to do to Alibaba, the company? This is why. I did not want to buy the dip. It's also why I bought putts on Friday. Stock was trading up, and short-term insurance was cheap. So I bought, the stock was 236 on, this is Thursday, I guess. I'm losing track of days again with all the holidays. I feel like I've been off for a month. Uh, but the stock was 236 in the morning, and I was like, you know what? You can buy short-term insurance. So I went out only two weeks, and I bought the 225 puts, and I paid two, just over two bucks. And I don't know where they're trading, obviously, this morning because they haven't started trading here at 9.30. But with the stock down six, is probably good for my 225 puts. Um, I just The only reason I did that was I thought I would get more of this story sooner than later. And I was like, I'll pay a little bit of insurance. So I still own some Alibaba. Insured that. I bought a little extra puts. It's not a huge position. But it's insuring you know, really what my holdings left are, um, at least in the short term. So... Joel, what are your thoughts here? I mean, we can talk technicals. We already said this when this everybody was saying, oh, you got to buy this dip, that it's not about the dip. It's about, you know, and it's not about technicals when there's so much headline risk. Obviously, we have one headline here. Where's Jack Ma? Somebody's speculating, and the stock's like, ooh, maybe we got, you know, be a little concerned about that. I mean, if we get more information about Jack Ma's, maybe it comes right back. You know, Jack Ma shows up, you know, this afternoon on CNBC or on Benzinga's pre-market prep, and we're all good. Maybe we'll put a Mitch out there. Maybe we'll bring Jack Mon. We'll say he's right here on pre-market prep. But, anyways, let's go. Uh, no comment. No comment on technicals <laughs> on Baba. Oh, I'll comment on the technicals. I'm not going to comment on any of the. You're uh, a technical analyst. But let's I'm go. joking. I'm joking. I was that was that was a joke. You didn't catch it. Oh, uh, oh. yeah, you got to watch. Two twenty-six, two Let's see what happens. We're right there. We're trading on the lows of the pre-market session at 226.30. You know, I just did the math here from 11.23 to 43 and change. Halfway back, 26 and a half, 27. You got to hold in right here. This is the area. If it's going to go back up and get back into that gap area, I like it here. You don't have another daily low down to until 215.32. Don't think it's going to get there. I mean... I thought it was going to, when you texted me last night, I thought I was going to be down 20, 25 bucks. I, so, I thought it would be down 20 bucks. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But uh, yeah, let's see what happens here. Keep an eye on the pre-market low and see but like, down five bucks. I mean, that's, that's not too bad. It's but, pretty uh, impressive. That's I agree. Going up as well as it is. And, you know, maybe you get into a situation where they just don't care. He's not the CEO anymore. And, you know, maybe, you know, the, the disassociation, maybe they're going to take it easy on Alibaba, you know, in that case. So I don't know what the market's reading into it, but I would have thought it would have been down a lot more. So it puts a little bit of, you know, a dent in my puts thesis here because this it's is an event. More. This is an event that I thought I would have got paid on, on the put side, and I'm not getting paid. So, you know, a little bit, but you're not really getting paid. So that makes me think that maybe you are inclined to buy the dip, but I'm, you know, obviously I still own a little bit of the stock. I said I short-term insured it. Um, it it's tough, the headline. You don't know what the next headline is going to be. I did not see Jack Ma missing headline coming this week. Well, uh, again, like 
All he did was not show up at at a reality television. His own game show, though. He hasn't tweeted since. It was his own game show. He hasn't tweeted tweet very much, though. It's true. He doesn't tweet very much. He doesn't tweet. Um, We don't don't know. We don't know. It was the finals of his own game show, and he didn't show up for it. So, slightly concerning. But, okay, we got Merger Monday. Merger Monday. Yeah, an, a couple of mergers to discuss. A uh, big one probably is Flurry Systems, F-L-I-R. That one is being acquired as I pull it up in my Benzinga Pro Dennis, here. did you get back in that one? We talked about this one, right? I got back in. Yeah, you never got back in, huh? No, no. reopening trade. And I was in, this was a long time ago. We were playing this back in the summer. Um, my friend Mike was uh, brought it to us and saying that they did the, the temperature you know, temperature sensors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so we thought this was a reopening play and we added it. We, we had it good. We bought it from like 38 and we were trading up to like 47. I had sold it. I actually rebought it at like 38 and it went up and then it ended up dropping on that earnings report. I actually took a loss in the second half of it. So, um, which you took up, a loss. Yeah. You're not supposed to do that. I oh mean, in this market, God. why? Cause they eventually get bailed out. I mean, that's we're joking there, but yeah, I do take losses. And obviously in this case, I maybe shouldn't have. Yeah, the, and what's the uh, what's the the price we have for that? Yep. Fifty six. So they're, so they're being acquired by Teledyne, which is ticker uh, TDY. Yep. It's a cash and stock deal, so eight billion dollars in cash plus here uh, twenty eight dollars a share. Um, I'm sorry, a ratio? Tw- I'm sorry, twenty dollars a share in cash that comes out to eight billion dollars plus a ratio of point zero seven one eight. Shares so zero seven one eight. That was a big mess I just had. Point zero seven one eight shares of Teledyne again. That's TDY. Point zero seven one eight shares of Teledyne plus twenty eight dollars a share in cash. That gets you an eight billion dollar price tag. This one's going to be a tough one for the risk curves because it's the three hundred dollar stock you got to trade on one side. It's probably that Teledyne. I know I used to trade it. I don't trade it as much. It's probably because it sits with dollar spreads. So, I mean, you sit there and you try to get in and out. You're trying to pick up, you know, a nickel or a dime here. And then you're getting, you know, uh, trying to get into a a, a stock that'll have a 50 cent spread or a dollar spread. It's not going to be easy. So I will write this one down. I'm not sure I'm going to be doing a lot of risk garb unless a TDY spreads a lot tighter than I think it is. For this one, I mean, it's hardly traded here uh, in the pre-market. But when I'm looking at this, I'm just saying, what jumps out at me on this Teledyne? And what jumps out at me, lower right-hand chart, 400 bucks. I mean, you've hit that so many times. So I know we don't short or we don't buy puts or we don't do anything of that sort on this show. But if there's a level that you want to lean on, there's a firm seller there at 400. It's been there since uh, January of, uh, of last year. So that's the major resistance. Coming back on the downside, 370 looks like uh, a nice low that you had a couple weeks ago. That's just looking at t- if anybody's interested in Teledyne, that 400. The longer it takes to get above 400, take out 400, maybe look for a little bit of a rollover. But I, I haven't I, even yeah. traded this morning. So let's see. The best bid's way down at $370 right now. Of course, because he sees this low here. Yes. 38806. So you're, you're 18 yeah. points. So this down only $4. If somebody offered there, this could end up going lower here yet. So I would think, although it's a cash and stock deal, which helps a bit. But a lot of times they do like to smack the acquirers. And yes, we do short stocks on this show. Joel's just joking. Um, the other merger. Yeah, uh, health uh, health insurance. Some consolidation there. Centene, that's ticker CNC, is buying Magellan Health. That is ticker 
MGLN. This is just a straight up cash deal, $95 a share in cash. Again, I would just want to point this out is that when you have the all cash deals, they typically don't hit the acquirer. So even before bringing up CNC, even before looking at it, I would assume that CNC is not down much. Bring it up. CNC is trading up, actually. So it's important to know that because some people just think every acquirer gets smacked. The reason the acquirers get smacked is because the risk ARPs come in and start pricing. And in order to get to that ratio, they have to hit the acquirer and buy the acquiree. So in this case, there's no risk of action because it's an all-cash deal. So you don't need to have that action putting pressure on the stock. So CNC trading up and probably not going to get hit. So if you think CNC is going to go straight down because it did a cash deal, it's not the case. When you get the ratio in there, that's when you can see pressure on the acquirer. Does uh, the CNC uh, interest you for uh, a catch-up trade at all? I mean, I've looked at it for a while. Yeah, I mean... Whew. Let's see, let's see, you know, it's got some news on it. So let's just see what happens. But I mean, we are, this is a great segue to Joel, just going, you are in January now and typically, and you know, it doesn't always happen, but January effect, you have tax loss selling, not that CNC had a lot of tax loss selling, but it is, you know, a stock that wasn't up a hell of a lot. So it wouldn't have had any, you know, looking for people to you know, lock in profits, but you do see often a leaders to laggards, laggards to leaders trade happen in January. We're not seeing that this morning in the first few minutes, but it's not saying we don't see it this week. I was predicting that we would see a leaders to laggards, laggards to leaders. I do think if you're looking for stocks that were weaker, if you can find any stocks that were weaker in 2020, there could be a catch-up trade there. This is probably not one of them because it really wasn't that weak, but it wasn't that strong either. So um, I'd look for other spots, but the CNC, I mean, buying the dip on it, it's a decent company. I mean, obviously, we have Biden coming in. What does that mean for, you know, the, the, the sector? You have to consider all those considerations. And I'm not, you know, I, I haven't really dug that deep into how it affects Centene. But the chart looks okay. Uh, what happened in February of 2019? That's all I want to know. Because that, that something happened. So before I got too... Uh, to into the stock looking at it a long-term play. I'd like to find out what happened. The thing went from 130 to 65. Is that is that right? I mean, that was a big move. What happened? I don't have that. I think it, I, I, my chart's just... adjusted. I think it was a spinoff, Joel. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. It could have I... even been a two-for-one split. I'm looking 140 to 70. Yeah, so... but, but trade station's really good. Usually they're that. good like that. My chart does not look like that. My chart is adjusted. So okay. I'm thinking that's a mistake. Scratch that. Trade station. trade station, fix that chart. I believe it's a mistake. All right. Well, that's uh, the merger Mondays here for the the two ones to talk about. This one gets over 70, holds 70, but that, I don't know. I, I don't like that chart when I have a, a bad month or a bad tick in there. S&P still hanging in there. Up 1675 at 3765 and a half. That's a cool 12 bucks above that high from Friday and uh, still trading firmly in the green here. All right, let's talk EVs. We got some delivery numbers over the weekend. Uh, Tesla, NEO, uh, I saw uh, XPeng also came out with numbers. Tesla's numbers. Bottom line is they uh, Elon Musk had a target of 500,000 deliveries for the year. They came up just short of that number, which basically means they met it. I mean, con- considering that their plant in California was shut down for like a month and a half or whatever, um, that's pretty good. Uh, although, I don't know how I feel about this headline this morning. 
that Tesla entered into an agreement with Panasonic, whereas Panasonic will supply battery sales to Tesla. I thought Tesla was supposed to be the battery experts, but what do I know? Um, so Tesla deliveries were good. Neo deliveries also. Bottom line is all the delivery numbers were good. You don't need to see the headline. You, just look, you need to look at the chart. The chart will tell you. Neo deliveries were good. Tesla deliveries were good. They were all good. That's the bottom line there. I mean, the Tesla chart is just incredible. We've been talking bullish on this stock for a week because, again, I got bullish at 644 because I was like, it's not going down. And that was the concern. And now it's no breaking out. Now you're breaking out to new all-time highs. Could Tesla see a thousand bucks, which would be Kathy Wood's five thousand dollar original target? It very well could. Doesn't make any fundamental sense. It makes zero fundamental sense. But it doesn't matter. The stock doesn't trade on fundamentals. It trades on story. The story is not going away anytime soon. And I, even we you know when they slightly miss deliveries, the market doesn't care. I don't know what stops. The Tesla, I don't know what event tops it out. If the S&P event couldn't top it out, I'm done trying to call tops on Tesla. So maybe this is the top because I'm finally not trying to call the top on Tesla. I'm not going to ever put this in my long-term investment portfolio at this valuation, but will I trade it long? Absolutely. Will I look for dips to buy it on a trade, swing trades? Absolutely. It will not go in my long-term investing portfolio, but from a, from a, I'm not shorting stocks, making new all-time highs one. And I like owning stocks, making new all-time highs as trades. So as a trade, I mean, the stock still, I don't know when it tops out. You got to be careful. You're going to have some ugly days still in there. But man, it looks like it's in breakout mode right now. All right. Uh, new line in the sand. It was 650. I'm moving it up to 695 now. That was the high on the uh, on the ad day, and then you Big got level um, for it. Yep. Then you got a. Then you kissed it, and then you blew through it, yep. and you're blowing through it again today. So uh, that's really the only pre market high is just under seven thirty. Uh, we got to seven twenty nine seventy seven. So those are the only two levels I have for you, and folks. Seven twenty nine seventy seven called seven thirty and six ninety five on the downside. It's Rook. the stock Mike just saying in the chat before we go to the next one. It's the stock that everybody regrets not owning, and that's why every time it gets a slight dip, people scoop it up because they're just like, "Why didn't I own Tesla? It was up seven hundred percent last year. Why do I not have the stock? If I just would have had a little bit of Tesla, I would have been up so much more money." I mean, there's so much regret around this stock. People thought a year ago the stock was going bankrupt. Um, how wrong was everyone? You know, how wrong was everyone? I didn't think it was going bankrupt. That's why I wrote puts, but I did not own the stock. I wish I would own the stock instead of writing the puts. But wow, what a move. What a stock it has been. I don't know where the party ends. It will end eventually, but, you know, who? why, why think this is the top? Uh, S&P's leaking just a tad here. Now, nothing to get alarmed about, but uh, we're only up 14 handles now. Uh, a good 10, 10 handles off that pre-market high, 73 and a quarter. Just can't have anything up there for you folks because we've never been up there before, but uh, we'll keep an eye on it. All right, before I forget, a very happy new year to YouTube. PJ Williams, who gave us a $100 Super Chat comment in YouTube. Wow. We appreciate so that. Uh, and then I want to go to Neo here because remember, uh, the Neo Day is coming up. That's on the 7th, I want to say, top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, the 9th. Excuse me. That's on the 9th. So that's coming up here this weekend. Uh, they also reported deliveries. They said they reported. Uh, or they said they delivered 7,000 cars in December. That was more than expected. They said they delivered uh, a little over 17,000 cars for the quarter 
uh, which was also more than expected. Um, and they they're gonna, I guess, announce a a new a new sedan at their Neo Day on the ninth. So that's exciting. Seven thousand cars. I'm just gonna look at the chart. I had a lot of lines in there, many more than I usually do. And you got above that fifty percent retracement. You're trading at the highs of the pre market session. I think I'm gonna clean this thing up here. And what are you gonna look at? I mean, you got some daily highs to look at. Fifty two ten. If you're looking for a target today, 52.10, December 1st high, and then you have some other highs in that area. If you're looking to get out at the all-time closing high, though, you're going to have to wait for 55.38. Uh, that was your close on November 23rd. But, uh, yeah, we broke out. I got, I got to clean this chart up here. Well, Spencer moves on to the next issue. I'll uh, just say on NEO and XPV, which I think you're going to next, mm -hmm. um, this, this XBEV story, we actually said we liked the chart three days ago last week for the simple reason is that it put in that nice little tidy double bottom, 37.50, 37.60. And I was like, maybe you get a shot of 40. You never got the shot because it just kind of consolidated for a couple of days. And now you get the blast off. I mean, this looks like it did its work. It looks like, you know, the classic sell-off, the classic blow-off top doesn't work for a month and now it's trying to consolidate a little bit and now it's getting some life again and that life can turn into people the momo guys getting back in for the second party so i mean it doesn't look bad technically neil looks good tesla looks good xpev good the only concern and there's always a concern nothing's just perfect you know not all the ducks in a row is that we are on the first day of january first trading day of january and sometimes like i said leaders laggards laggards leaders but I'm not seeing any of that here this morning. So cautiously, I would say they're looking all looking pretty good. And I'd probably be buying pullbacks. 7,000 cars for Neo, huh? Boy, and see. hey, and almost 13,000 for Xpeng. So we're wow. delivering a few cars. It's a few cars. <laughs> I mean, is it worth the valuations that, you know, that they're more than, I don't even know where the valuations is on these things. But, you know, at least these, these are actual ev automakers that are actually making cars they're not constantly yeah, that's, yeah. well the, the, the best part is, is you can you can say oh our deliveries are up 300 percent year over year right because we had like uh, two deliveries last year so it's easy to say deliveries you can are throw up. those really low yeah. numbers but yeah. that's going to be for a while i mean twelve thousand cars goes fifty thousand cars like what a year to one hundred and fifty thousand cars a pretty good year i mean mm -hmm. So that's the whole thing when you got, you know, ridiculous market caps on companies that are actually quite small still. Those market caps have a lot of room for expansion. So do these follow the Tesla charts? I, I don't think so because I think the competition's coming for all of these. But uh, is there more life here? Apparently so. I guess. All 46 right. or 40. Where are we at? We're at 46. We're the high of the pre-market session. If I had to throw something out there for you, three out of four highs, but they're not up until 47.50. So if you're looking for more uh, on a daily, there was a high right at 45 a couple days ago, but we're we're hanging there right now. So no, we're up 317. We're higher than that. Oh it's yeah, we're low. high. We're oh yeah. yeah. Can we go 47.88? Let's stick just with the EV theme and go to the battery. Lithium, which um, LTHM, which is Levent. Obviously, the FMC spinoff. Gene Munster has picked this. Jason Rasnick has picked this. We, me, uh, do you still own this? I own this before anybody. You own okay? this before Gene? Yes. No, not before Gene. 
before. <laughs> yeah, before Raz? No. yeah, yeah, before Raz did. What's this? A Gene? Is this the where you got it though? Was Gene? Of course. That's what yeah. we said. Gene Munster pick. We said. Well, it you Gene said Gene Monster. Monster. You said you. You said Batch Bean in the chat. You said <laughs> Surf the Line Rob. I was like, this is my you stock. You said your mom. Don't take my stock. This is my yeah. stock. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what are you really... doing with your stock? Your what LK do you think account? I'm doing with it? You're holding because Lisa won't let you sell anything. She doesn't. This is not, this is not a Lisa pick. This is a Oh, so you're allowed pick. to sell this one. Yeah. But, but you don't sell it. But I know because I feel guilty. <laughs> no. No. Uh, we talked to Gene about this. I mean, I. It always has pullbacks, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I would just love to see a bust above 20 here. Big level. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Bust above 20. And then, but man, look at all those months in a row. And, oh, boy. All right. Just get that chart off there. Next stock. Uh, I just say, too, I mean, if it busts above 20, you're going open here, too. And is this story going away? The lithium story going away? I don't think so anytime soon. Unless, you know, the Tesla bubble bursts. The Tesla bubble bursts, it'll take everything down with it. So you kind of watch Tesla for all these stocks. If Tesla continues higher, probably LTHM continues higher too. I own it as well. I haven't sold any shares, I don't think, of lithium. I don't remember. I don't think I've sold anything. We bought it back at, I think it was 550 or something. So it's been a good one. So anyways, let's continue on this party here. Mr. Israel, one minute before a guest. Yeah, one minute before Tim Qua. So let's just stick with that theme. Uh, we're getting a couple of questions about LAC, which is, of course, the um the the other big lithium stock i own it um i bought this not that long ago um i've had it for probably about a month and i, I actually bought around 10 bucks it went to 12 and then it went down to nine it was down and it was pissed off now it's back up to 12 13 i mean i'm just in it this looks like a flag that's ready to break out to me in my opinion i'm owning it already i'm planning on holding it just for the simple reasons that i don't think the lithium story is going away so those are the two lithium plays that i own i gave away my alb during the whole crisis back in April, and um, obviously that was a mistake. So I'm holding on to these two, LAC, LTHM. So you own LAC and LCA. Well, LCA is gone now, so I don't oh, you know got LCA anymore. No, no, oh, it, it did the merger, GN, oh, okay. Golden Nugget, GNOG, which has been ugly since the merger, might I say. I sold half of it just a couple days. on, on a, Actually, the reason I sold half was Catchy on SPAC Attack, which is the other show was nervous about it, and I was nervous about it too going into the merger. We're like, you know, a lot of people have bought this ahead of the merger. It's going to be on selling news event. Chris Catchy said that, and I was like, you know what? I agree with that. So I sold half. I sold half of 2610, and it's down here at 2070, so it was a good sale. I probably should rebuy the half right now because I still like the story. Big sell-off in three days, but I'll wait till I see, you know, the stock stop going down before adding to it. Dennis, no half positions for you in 2021. I know. I know. I should stop doing that. <laughs> Either all in or all out. I know. Okay. All right. We are trying a new thing. We're calling it Market Structure Mondays. And I will bring I like in our that. guest. I like yeah. That. Oh, it's catchy, right? All right. Tim Quast is our guest. He's here with us now. He's the founder and CEO of Modern IR and Market Structure Edge. Tim, welcome. Good to see you guys. Happy New Year. It's been a while. It's it's been a hot second. How did the end of the year treat you? Uh, to a bunch of skiing. You see, I'm I'm even oh wearing goodness. the uh, uh, <clears throat> a little free advertisement for Spider. You know, you got to have your your Spider gear if you're out on the slope. So I was out just about every day. Uh, Where are I'm you cold, right now? You know, Where so are you? Is, I'm in Steamboat Springs. So uh, 
Uh, we're here about half the time, and uh, it's the fun half, and it's the uh, the half when my blood pressure is lower. Uh, so we do it as much as possible. How about you guys? Uh, fun stuff, or you, you you're just you're so focused on the markets. There's no time for frivolity no and rest. No, there's the. <laughs> I have a three-year-old, a six-year-old. And a full-time markets job, and that's pretty much it. It's kids and stocks. <laughs> that's pretty much what I have time for. My kids get a little bit older, and skiing might be in the cards, though. So uh, the three-year-old's not going to do that well on the slopes yet. So you hate it when, the, when the holidays come along and interrupt your focus on the markets. That's the that's the trouble. I, I feel like I've been on holidays for two months. I came back in. I was like, I didn't even know what's happening in the markets at all. All I knew is that Bitcoin was making new all time highs. So... <laughs> incredible right yeah. what are your thoughts on crypto before we get into equity market structure i mean you can talk market structure on anything and the sure. crypto market yeah. structure is, is if there is any market structure it's very interesting to say the least what are your thoughts on crypto it's a reflection of people's concerns about the dollar and we cannot continue to increase the supply of the dollar without uh folks looking for some way to hedge the risk that the dollar continues to weaken you know there there is no question that uh the single most reliable input on how the equity market how the oil price how oil prices how bitcoin will behave is the u.s dollar and it varies inversely with the value of the dollar those things do that's I mean, simple to me. Yeah, I completely agree with it. It's what I was actually talking about just off the hop. I mean, are you concerned about inflation at all, Tim? Because they tell us there's no inflation, but yet I see all asset prices inflating around us here. Is there a concern from your camp about inflation? Well, yes, and I've had these discussions with uh, a variety of folks a lot smarter than me. And my view is we have to redefine how we measure inflation. We have the, We measure inflation the way that we did when we decoupled from the dollar, which is entirely irrelevant and illogical. It's not the correct way to measure inflation. Inflation is very simple, low interest rates. Low interest rates are inflation. They're not signaling the possibility of it. They are, they are evidence of it. You cannot use the way that we measured inflation in the late 70s and early 80s after we left the dollar in 1971 is a way to understand its presence today. And there's, you know, there's an old principle, old economic principle that we forget called Gresham's Law, which says that if you try to treat two forms of money that are disparate as having equal value, let's say cash and credit, uh, that people will hoard the one and spend the other. And so look around. What have we done? We've exploded debt. That's spending credit. And where do we hoard cash? In risk assets like Bitcoin. It's evident everywhere. And at some point, there'll be a reckoning. And there was a tie into market structure there, by the way, uh, equity market structure. Talk, talk to me about that tie-in. So if you, if you want to understand what is going on in the equity market where we have all-time highs in the midst of a global pandemic, which is irrational, I don't care how, you know, all these pundits sit around and try to come up with explanations for why uh, what is occurring in the equity market is entirely acceptable. And look, I'm, uh, Market Structure Edge is all about finding ways to make money in a market that behaves irrationally. Uh, in the last 20 days, Active money has averaged less than 10% of the 
of trading volume, 9.3% in the S&P 500. First time in history that active investment behavior, rational thought has been less than 10% of the trading volume. What that means is that over 90% of the time, the market is a reflection not of something rational, but of something short-term, asset allocation-based or trading-based. And if we don't factor that into our thinking, both public companies and investors, we're going to get caught out. And there's, a, there's an explanation for why the market is way up. And it's, what, it's, it's three simple words, exchange-traded funds. And everybody wants to say this, but there is a mathematical reason for it. We're all about math. And so in, through November 2020, there have been five, $5.2 trillion of ETF creations and redemptions. It's important to note both of them. There are also $5.2 trillion in U.S. ETFs. So that means that the entire asset base in ETFs has been created and redeemed with a month to go for statistics. And, and here's the kicker. There are $470 billion of ETFs created and redeemed every month and over 400 billion more creations than redemptions. It's the same thing as creating currency. If you continue to create more currency that depends on an underlying asset class for prices, what will happen to the asset class? It will increase in value until some point, to quote Stein's law, Herb Stein, father of Ben Stein, who said if something cannot last forever, it will stop. Well, when, when does the creation of additional currency to inflate the underlying asset price from which the prices are derived, stop. We'll talk about that next time. I'm going to tease <laughs> you. Hey, oh, oh, man. This guy is good. I was like, just give the <laughs> Well, because we got a limited amount of time, right? So, so I want to say there are two things to me that are great teases for next time. I got a note from one of our uh, Edge subscribers who's trading options. And he's producing a 2,600% annualized return, putting, putting $5,000 at risk, trading options only two or three days at a time, using Edge to figure out what stuff to buy. And I'll talk about that next time too. But I do want to, it all comes back to why does market structure matter and what is it? Market structure is the mechanics, the physics of the stock market. And, and it's something that we have to wrap our heads around. We cannot just expect that all of the time the market will be a reflection of rational thought if the mechanics and the physics of the stock market are comprised of things that are not rational. It's that simple. If 90% of what goes on in the market has some origin that is not rational, then 90% of the time it will do things that are not rational. Well, traders can turn that to their advantage, but you also have to watch the risk that develops out of that. And, uh, it, you know, it's just an important point. This is partially my fault, Tim, with the ETF <laughs> stuff, because I do the ETF ARB. I do the ETF ARB. And, and there's no thought going into that. There's zero thought. And, and our 100 traders at Bright Trading, a lot of them do the ETF ARB as well. And you know what? There's a lot of other prop firms that they're doing ETF ARB. So there's no thought going into that. So it's part of our, I, I feel partially responsible for what you're talking about. <laughs> well, it's funny you mention that. So we track the spreads every week between ET, sector ETFs and the underlying stocks comprising them. And in the last two months, the spreads have absolutely exploded to levels we have never seen before. 
I mean, if it's on a graph, it is shocking. I don't know if that has any meaning at all, but it's something that has developed just in the last two months. Uh, and and uh, it's why the behavior that is driving whatever part of the market you're looking at is important to me. Speaking of which, EV. I know we've only got like a minute left. And oh, you we've were got a few more. We'll keep you on. We like you, Tim. You can stay. We, well, we were, you were talking about Tesla and how important Tesla is. And uh, if you, I think I can share my screen, right? I want to yeah, show you sure something you that will, will, uh, will, I think, dovetail with that, that, that ties in market structure. Yeah, Tim, just hit, just hit that share screen button on the bottom there, and we will be able to see what. Uh, okay. There we go. Okay. Okay. So you, I think you can see my screen. All right. Or so this, can, you, can you share a different? There we go. Okay. Oh, okay. There you Here we go. go. I got you. Okay. So really quickly, this is Edge. So it's a platform that that you can use for decision support. And so here is a group of EV stocks, and and I, I want to talk a little briefly about Lee Automotive. Uh, but let's go to Tesla. And what it will show you is, is uh, we think of the market this way. There's a log that rolls in the water and there is a log walker on top of it. And when the log walker is doing really well and moving that log along and staying on top of it, sentiment is above five. We could say more loved than underloved. And when it's under five, then there's the risk that the person falls off the log. And that and you want to be out of these things before uh, you fall off the log. Ones are falling off the log. Anything above five, like Tesla, still at eight. That's above. That's that's stuff that can continue to go up. So you're going to see Tesla sentiment. It'll tell you. Look, it's bottomed at eight. If it's bottomed above five, that stock can continue to rise, even though 57% of Tesla is coming from borrowed stock. 57% of the trading volume is borrowed stock. That's okay, so long as it's above five. Notice that active money is the lead behavior. Very rare anymore to see active money leading. Most of the time it's passive money or, or uh, fast trading machines that are gonna arbitrage that trade between ETS and the underlying stocks. But here's the key point. If you wanna know why Tesla continues to do so well, just look at the top graph. The, the dark line is Tesla's price. The lighter colored uh, shaded graph, that's its sentiment, market structure sentiment. And the more time that it spends above five, the better. We'll look at it since November. It's just, it never comes down. And so you stay in Tesla so long as it's above five. It's that simple. And why is this? Well, it's very simple. There's more demand than supply. And part of that goes right back to ETFs. Yeah. Uh, Tesla is a huge component now in ETFs. It's one of the top six components in ETFs. Well, it's, there's built-in demand, and that will continue until it stops. Look, it stopped here. There, there was a period where you didn't want to be in Tesla because it stopped being a stock above five. And it's that, that, it's that simple. And I know here, let me finish with Lee and then we can, we'll wrap up because I'm two minutes over. But look okay. at Lee. I mean, this is, here's a fast, you know, Lee has been a fantastic stock. But the moment it stops returning above five, supply exceeds demand and it's not going to rise. And look where it's been all of December. Sentiment could never get back to five. Well, until, and less than until it can, that is not a stock to own. And you really wanna leave when it's 10 out of 10 and short volume is way above trend. There's your point to get out. 
Uh, and, and this is all market structure. It's something that can, the reason I think it's so important is it's the physics of the stock market. You can try to track headlines and you'll get, oh, it's happened to me. You know, I, I lost money on Beyond Meat, <laughs> you know, so, so the, it happens to everyone. But the thing that is most reliable are physics because it's like gravity. It's a rule of how the market works. And as I said, we'll talk about what makes it stop working and how do you make money using options with this next time. There's, a, so, there's so much to talk about. So, Tim, just to expand. So when you said it gets to a 10, you actually sell it because it's just overdone at that point in time? Well, it depends, right? There, there's a, there's a, a fine-tuning knob, knob that comes into play. I say stay in stocks that are 10s so long as short volume, the amount of trading volume coming from borrowed stocks stays roughly in line with trend. If it spikes above the trend materially, that's probably a good time to leave. Still might go up a little bit more. But here's Tesla over the last 30 trading days. Well, look, everybody got squeezed here. Short volume became way below, way below trend. So you say here you're just a little over trend. Yeah, but it's just pegging 10. You know it's doing fine. Uh, so as long as Tesla stays up here above, above five, that's good. At 10, you don't necessarily have to sell it. So where's the contrast with Lee? It's the spike. It's the spike. If we back up here, here's the key. Look how high short volume got above trend. That's going to have to reset. It, it means that the demand is so overextended because it's coming from borrowed stock that at some point there's going to be a reckoning. Well, I'd rather leave somewhere in here, 10, 10, 10, way above trend. Let's get out. And that's better. You, you, you will miss some of the gains, but you will avoid all of the losses that way. That right. short volume is interesting too. And now if you bring up all the major S&P components, probably that short volume is, is, is fairly high as well because of the market making aspect, correct? 45% of all yeah. trading volume. You are dead spot on right. And, it, yeah. and back in November, it got all the way down to 41%. Almost, it's a, it, that's a multi-year low, but it's on the way back up again. So good call. You're absolutely right about that. Almost people don't realize that almost half of the trading volume in the market is borrowed stock. And and they look at short interest and they think, well, how is that possible? But the difference is this is traded stock and this is the market making aspect which you're extracting from it all because you know and and obviously and there's also market making rules which people don't realize as well. Most people don't realize that if you're a market maker and you have orders sitting out there, you could actually be long a stock and you have to mark your sales short because they don't look at your actual position monitor. The the regulators look at what you you could have. And so they're looking at your open orders. And so, for instance, if I'm long, just technically 100 shares of Tesla, but I have, I'm have i playing a market maker and I have a short order out there for 100 shares of Tesla, I have to mark my sale on my long short, even despite being long the stock, which obviously skews those uh, data higher. But that's all that market making aspect that comes into play there. There, you're exactly right. Uh, that that's, uh, I hope everybody is listening to Dennis Dick because that's exactly <laughs> right. The, the 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 SEC gives you know this, but a lot of people don't. The SEC gives market makers an exemption from the rules that apply to me if I want to go short a stock. I've got T plus three. My agent does to locate those stock, or I may have to buy in. Uh, whereas a market maker has. T plus 35 and may never have to do it. Why? Because the market is automated. It's impossible for a Hudson River trading or a quant lab or a two sigma 
or Virtus Prop, uh, Algo, all of the, those firms to know at any given time what their full exposure is because they're trading hundreds if not thousands of things at a time with, with automated systems and the SEC granted them, them an exemption from the requirements that everybody else must follow because they're so vital to the stability of the marketplace. That's both good news and bad news. But you're you're precisely right. Dennis. All right, we'll talk about more of this next week on our next market structure yes. Monday. Tim Quast is, I mentioned, the founder and CEO of Modern IR and Market Structure Edge. You can learn more about his platform by going to marketstructureedge.com. Tim, we appreciate it. Thanks Great to for see you guys. Thanks. We'll Tim. Talk, talk to you next week. Sounds All good. Right. All right, and I know there is some uh, audio feedback there. We'll get that worked out uh, for Tim's next appearance. Hey, I just want to throw in there, uh, you know, Dennis talks a lot about, you know, his, you know, the trading and his investing and stuff. But, I mean, Dennis, aren't you like the top market, oh, market no, structure? I don't think they rank them. something well. in the world? <laughs> are yeah, you? No, number no one? I don't think they rank them. Tim yeah, you're number one. Ring. I, I'm like I, I know a little bit about the plumbing because obviously we're trading a lot, so we have to know a little bit about the plumbing. Any prop trader is going to know a little bit more about the plumbing, probably because it's it's you know it's central to our business. I mean, we're doing a lot of different types of strategies. We got to know what we can and can't do. We got to know the rules to a certain extent. But there's also holes in the plumbing, and when there's holes in the plumbing, you know, there's inefficiencies to extract as well. So you know that's stuff to consider. It's how I you know back in 2010 called the flash crash before it happened because yep. you could see the way the structure of the market was designed and i mean high frequency trading is essential because it provides all of your liquidity right now but at the same time it's not like it used to be because they're all running the same strategies doing the same things and when they hit the same you know it's different stimulus or it's the same you know catalyst hit um the one thing that they don't have is the, the affirmative obligations that we used to have and the and the machines are so efficient I mean, it's not even a matter of you can say, OK, well, in 87, all the, you know, the specialists stepped away from their posts and, you know, didn't answer the phone. But humans don't move as quickly as machines. Those those machines, they get the orders out of there in a hurry. And then you have this, you know, van, you have no liquidity. Like the flash crash itself wasn't the, you know, the pure amount of sellers that came in that knocked the stock down. Exactly. It was the lack of buyers. There was just no orders on the book. Accenture trading down to one cent a share of the stub code because there was literally nobody bidding the stock. There was literally no bids, no bids, no bids, no bids. That's why the flash crash happened. Um, human beings, you know, and, and, it, and it goes back even you can blame a little bit of the institution because you used to always have institutional orders on the book that would cushion the blow. Like if you had, you know, Fidelity bidding 100,000 shares or something, well, a bunch of sellers come in. But institutions don't do that anymore. They don't throw those big orders like they used to. They use algorithms and they used to use VWAP and they slowly put those orders out there. So those big orders aren't on the book to cushion it. So what are you left with? You're left with a bunch of high frequency orders and those orders aren't going to stabilize the market in times when the, when the going gets really tough. 99.9% .9 of the time they're there. But if you know they get too heavy on one side and the market's going down, 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 they're not able to flip out. They say, okay, we're getting too heavy. We got to stop making markets here. They do. And they don't have any obligations to continue to make those markets. You know, there is designated market maker on the floor. So there is a little bit there. But again, 18% on the NYSC volume. It's not cushioning the blow like it used to. A uh, quick, quick pit story that you just reminded me of. And uh, I can't remember who the broker was. But, uh, you know, back when I was clerking in the S&Ps, like 100 lot. I mean, that was a big order, right? Yeah. And, uh 
and uh, this guy from Shy Corp, I think he goes, he goes, sell 100 at the market. And the broker just starts offering the market down and just thrashing and no one's lifting it. And they, and like, you know, of course they're yelling at the clerks and we're like, there's no bids. There's no bids. He goes, cancel. He goes, buy a hundred. And so the guy starts bidding the market back up and we're like, what's going on? We're like, no offers. That was when you said that, like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Like a little mini flash crash in the pit. Yeah. Lack of yep. liquidity. So it can yeah. happen. It can happen yeah. back then too. You know, just the lack of liquidity. You know, they yeah. people step back, right? And that's so that was uh that was a good story. And I remember the name of the broker, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring up his name on the show because I don't know if he's listening. But uh anyways, S <laughs> P's there's no bids in the S P's right now, man. We're we are uh 12 points off the pre-market high. And uh, just kind of settling for midterm, uh, uh, mid mid range on the session. Fifty five seventy five is my uh, my first area of interest here this morning. This is the most important day right now. This today and tomorrow because this is going to set the tone. And are they going to put this leader to Stalagert's trade on? Is Tesla going to give back some of its gains? I would keep Tesla, even if you're not a Tesla trader, keep it on your screen because if this thing starts to roll over. Um, you could see some of those leaders, laggers, and obviously the EV players are all going to follow this. If Tesla continues to rise, different story. Right now, I would just say I'm kind of spectating that first open. I'm not going to go all in, all out. Spectating, trying no. to see a theme. Trying to see a theme. And like I said, you know, a lot of these charts look pretty good right now. But because we are in January, you have January effect, you have seasonality effects, you have a lot going on, a lot of stuff more than a chart. You need to consider all of that when you're putting on positions here just this morning because this could be one of those fake outs here this morning where everybody comes in. You know, Bitcoin was ripping higher all you know for the weekend. Well, they just pulled the rug out from under it. It's over $3,000 off the highs. I mean, it's still awesome, but there's some sellers emerging, some profit takers emerging. Um, you know, is there going to be profit takers to come in here? Because like I said, there's a lot of people sitting on profits that did not want to take them on the 30th, did not want to take them on the 29th, did not want to take them on the 31st. Are they going to come in and take them this morning? We don't know that yet. Is the spec, is the foo, is the FOMO stronger than, you know, the people who are like, okay, let's lock some of these gains and that we can now lock in and not pay tax for a year. Um, that's a major consideration here. So again, we had Biden coming in, you know, it's change of administration. Maybe people were booking the gains because they think, you know, tax rates might go up. So I'm, you know, going to book. So there's a lot of different balls getting tossed around and juggled here in the air right now. Let the charts, let the technicals, let price figure it out for you. Don't be a hero and try to buy your stock, I'd say, like the first thing, because we might see a fake out here. It might be real, but it might be a fake out too. Get a couple days in, we start getting a better feel for how much seasonality is going to move this market. All right, uh, Spencer, we really uh, got, what, one minute left here. What uh, what stocks we want to cover? And, folks, like I know a lot, like some people are saying 750 in Tesla today and they're looking for 55 in Neo. Take out the pre-market highs first, you know? There you go. There you go. And, there you go. Take out the pre-market high. You're, you know, take that what's out. The Neo, what's the Neo pre-market high? It's trading right at it, 51.50. Yep, fifty-one twenty-nine. I also like that fifty-two one. So just keep an eye out. Those are important levels. The guys that are out there in the pre-market and the after hours are out there in the regular session too. 
That I think that's a good place uh, for, for us to wrap it up here, actually. There's a couple more things. I know we didn't get to ticker time. We'll get to that at the 340 uh, broadcast. And, yeah, so smash that like button, everyone. I know we can get more likes than we've got, like, what? A couple hundred, we can get way more. 339. I just became the 300. All right, we can get get to 500. I liked our own show. Thank you, thank you very much, Dennis. You love the cuz of market structure, Dennis. You're probably like the cuz of Tim. Tim was great. You're probably not even going to trade. I'm looking forward to next Monday. I'm just waiting, count down the days. Tim was great. All right, and I want to remind everyone once again that today's show is sponsored by Market Structure Edge. Market Structure Edge is the first decision-making platform for traders built on Market Structure. Try the new way to trade for free at marketstructureedge.com. Let's see. I got uh, our disclaimer. Let me throw that up right there so you all know what we're about. And uh, I think that's a wrap. So everyone have a good rest of your trading day. Good luck. Like I said, we'll, we'll be back at the 340 show. We, of course, have SPACs attack at 11 a.m. Eastern time right here. YouTube.com slash Benzinga TV. You can always catch the replay of our show on every major podcast platform. That includes iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., etc., etc. Email us with any questions, comments, or concerns. Premarket at Benzinga.com. Everyone have a good rest of your day. Good luck. We'll talk to you in the afternoon. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.